0: Good morning. How is your day going, aside from having to do media today?
1: (laughs) Everything is just fine. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Glad to hear that. So we're here to talk about a new movie. Was this one of your more challenging ones to make? And I ask that because you have more credits than the average person I speak with. And also on top of that, you jump between, you know, major blockbuster films, the Deadpool series yet the good wife which has nothing to do with deadpool and numbers and medium in other words you can't go that's morena's kind of project you're very diverse well you
2: went you
1: went way way back there um yes that's true and i i i take pride in that um i'm drawn to really great characters i would say um this one was a joy to do it's a character i've never played before she's you know, I, I like these really smaller character-driven films. They're a great pleasure to work on um, as an actor. And Philip and Pierce, you know, we did a lot of work together to deepen these characters. And and um, Philip is such a thoughtful director, and it was a lot of fun to work on a person. You know, she's a little bit rougher on the, re- the edges. She's sort of like an OBS BS person. I you know I got to wear very little makeup and and just be sort of very into her emotional internal life and that was that was really uh different
0: what was your gateway into this film obviously and this is a compliment obviously you're past the point of cattle call auditions but did you know a producer was there a co star where they went hey you're perfect for this marina uh
1: to be honest i don't really know i'm sure it had something to do with my agent uh looking for stuff and um they offered it to me um and i'm a huge huge fan of Phillips. I think he's a phenomenal director. I remember being completely blown away um, way back in the day by a rabbit-proof fence. And since then, he's also made some incredible action films. Um, and Pierce, of course, being attached um, was a definite bonus. Uh, so I, I read the script and I really loved the story. And I, I liked how different these two people were and how their lives converge. And they go on this really improbable journey together. And you know, learn from each other. And I liked the nuanced romance in it, that it was very um, light to the touch and just, um, you know, the world that was created by this film was a very unique one.
0: Well, speaking of the world, these days you can't tell where a movie is filmed. They'll say Massachusetts and it's Long Island. They'll say LA and it's really Mexico. Where was this one filmed?
1: Uh, This was filmed in New Orleans, so we're very much in the world. You know, we didn't get to go to Mississippi um, for any of the of the Biloxi stuff, but we were in the, you know, in the that the vicinity um, and it was all filmed
0: locally. It seems one in four projects these days are filmed in New Orleans or Louisiana as a whole. Is that your existence as well?
1: That was actually my first time and my only oh. time uh shooting there so i haven't yeah i haven't had to do too much of that um a lot for me has been atlanta actually
0: weirdly i wouldn't say weirdly i mean what you have the three biggest studios in the country there right now yes. so it's kind of that's true with, with that's that true. well if the compliments can keep coming i don't speak to a lot of performers who actually went to juilliard or LaGuardia. Uh-huh. so uh-huh. With your class of LaGuardia, a.k.a. the Fame High School, were there any classmates of yours that we would also know? Um,
3: that's
1: a good question. I, they weren't classmates, but were there at the same time. Corey Stoll um, oh. and, um, well, Adrian Grenier. Um, oh. um, I'm trying to think of anybody in my class, I'm sure. There's somebody I, I put you on that the spot. I'm forgetting. Anytime the I speak to was in my class, but she didn't really go on to become an actor. Oh, um, yeah.
0: Sorry to put you on the spot there. Whenever I speak to somebody from That's Berkeley, okay. I haven't thought to, like, about I haven't thought about out. high
1: school in a long time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's you know it's been one or two years. I get it, but uh, the bottom line is this is a great new film. It's a it's a new film to us. It's kind of an old film to you. And there's a lot of stuff per IMDb to come. Are we allowed to know which film is next for you?
1: Um, I shot a film called Elevation. It hasn't come out yet, or or uh, it's in another indie. So hopefully, it'll sell soon. They're they're finishing it up and. Hopefully we'll be shooting another film in April, but you know, with the strike, it's been a little tough. So we're, I'm happy to, to get back to work.
0: Did the strike lead you to picking up any new hobbies? <laughs> I
1: don't know how much time I have three kids. So that became my life.
0: <laughs> so soccer practice, <gasps> carpooling kind of stuff.
1: Um, absolutely. I'm, I've become a total soccer mom, so it's going to be really good to get out of the house for a little bit
0: gotcha well in general when you're not busy with the family or the work is there a hidden talent or side hustle that we don't know about that we should know about because every actor i speak to these days has an album coming out a fashion line a cd line a wine a coffee and then others go no i'm an i'm an actor that's my craft that's it
1: i really enjoy um producing that's something that i work on on the side i also uh... I'm on the board of an, a phenomenal organization that works in the arts and education called Waterwell. Um, and I, on my other copious amounts of free time, um, <laughs> also am an ambassador for IRC, uh, International Rescue Committee, and do a lot of work for, for them. So definitely keeping busy.
0: I will say so. And do you have enough space for all the awards that you've been nominated for and or won? Or does that all go in storage?
1: Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, I've not, I've only won a few. Um, I've been nominated, I think, more than I've won. So maybe my time is coming now.
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, uh the last two yes. questions before I let you go. They're softballs. First one is I know there's the three kids involved, but what's the last concert that you went to for fun?
1: Oh, uh, that's an easy one because it was recent. Uh Lauren Hill and the Fugees.
0: Wow! Full band or solo, Lauren Hill.
1: Full well, band. Well, her and then they came on as well at the end. It was
0: it was so much fun with Flea on trumpet. One of those shows. Yeah. Wow! You saw a great show. Okay. Last show before I I go, uh, is there a kind of role that you haven't done yet that you're still hoping to happen?
1: There's a lot. I mean. You know, it also evolves um, with with time, but I've I haven't really done a period piece yet, and that's something I've been really interested in for a long time since I'm classically trained. But it tends to be not the jobs that I get, which is really funny. Um, so that would be really cool.
0: Okay. Well, the bottom line is you're producing, you're prolifically acting, you're on boards, you're gonna win awards. We've established. So I'm looking forward to what's to <laughs> come from you, and I'm glad there's really the best. Possibly is yet to come from you, Marina. Let's hope so. Melissa, how's your day going aside from doing press? Because for some performers, it's easier than others to do that.
4: Yes, uh, good. It's it's doing good. Um, it's um very busy. Um, everything's picking up now. You know, from the strike, we all lived. You know, almost like half of the year. Right. So very busy. I'm happy to go back to work and super happy that uh, ruthless is coming out this friday
0: right yet another one world uh one word movie title for you because there was failure and there was ruthless etc but when did you actually film this one
4: that's so right um this one was uh last year in november in november and it was actually shot in las vegas Mm -hmm. uh, which is you know where the story actually uh Takes place as well, uh, so it was super cool, super fun going there. Um, yeah, I mean Las Vegas. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right.
4: Halloween time, Halloween time. Yeah, like end of October, early November.
0: So it's literally around when you did the Monster Jam national anthem appearance.
4: That was that was some months after, actually. Um, so I'm from Texas. I'm from El Paso, Texas. I moved here to L.A. Um, a little over like two years ago. And two months after, I was able to do uh, the national anthem for Monster Jam, which was uh, super cool. I sing as well, and I would love to continue singing, uh, do the Dodgers, do do the Lakers, NFL game. Um, So I was able to do that beginning of last year. Um, Some months passed by, and then I did um, Ruthless.
0: (laughs) You said the magic name right there El Paso and I want to come back to that because that's a wonderful city that my wife and I had the pleasure of going to earlier this year but we're still talking about Ruthless here uh, how did you wind up in the film did you know the director or did you know art or one of the castmates and they went hey you're perfect for this or is it a traditional audition
4: yeah so I had worked with uh, the production company before mm-hmm. uh, for blowback and they brought me back uh, for now, like, a bigger character. So uh, that was a huge compliment. And, yeah, like, to come back with somebody you already worked for and, uh, you know, have a bigger character. Um, so that's kind of, like, how how it went. Um, hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it,
4: yeah it's super interesting.
0: In, in terms of the singing, were you a singer before you were an actress or were they both developing around the same time?
4: No, I i mean i guess they kind of developed at the same time uh growing up i always knew i wanted to do acting and since i'm from real, from like a small city el paso texas and South cuarez chihuahua mm-hmm. um, spanish is my first language also just in a right point, um i started doing musical theater like musical theater was the only thing there was so i didn't know how to sing so i was like if i want to like act more and get bigger characters, I have to learn how to sing for these musical theater roles. So I started taking um, singing lessons as well. So mm-hmm. I think I like to consider myself, I don't, I mean, I don't consider myself like a full singer. I have a lot of respect for people who write um, and who, you know, how to I'm,
0: I'm going to interrupt you because yeah. one of the hardest things to sing is the national anthem. Oh. So the fact that you could do the multiple octave thing and then yeah. do that in front of 80,000 people, that's a hard sk- combination of skill yes. sets right there. That's a lot easier than, I'm sorry, that's a lot more difficult than just singing scales.
4: That's very true. Yes, that's very true. That, that, yeah, so yes, I need, to, I need to have more, I need to call myself a singer. <laughs> but I'd say acting uh, will always be my number one. I love acting. Mm
0: -hmm. And do you have any musical endeavors or projects ahead of you?
4: Um, I mean, as of like working on some things, working on some things. Yes.
0: Got it. Now, two or three El Paso questions. One more question about you and then I'll let you go. Okay. In El Paso, my wife and I had the pleasure. If you walk across the bridge, you wind up at Kentucky bar.
4: Oh my goodness. Of course. Yes. Yes.
0: So did they really invent the margarita, or is that just local folklore?
4: No, that's, I mean, yes, that's where they, yeah, that's where the margaritas are from. Aren't they very strong?
0: They are very strong, and they're happy to give you a refill. <laughs>
4: yeah, 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 but it's it's such a famous spot, and um, it's right, like, right when you cross the border. Yeah. Yes, what is is the um like the home of the margaritas, the famous margaritas.
0: Now, right the other side of the bridge is one of the coolest theaters I've ever seen, the Abraham Chavez Theater. Did you ever get to perform there?
4: Abraham Chavez? no. I I have not performed there. I don't I I mean i I think I've definitely had I've definitely been there, but I have not performed there. Um, I've been able to perform at the YouTube Dinner Theater, where I did yeah. more um, more musical theater uh, at the University of El Paso. And the Plaza Theater um, is on my wish list, which is also a beautiful, beautiful theater that comes out in the um, the Purge, the, the, the latest Purge movie.
0: Oh, that's yeah, the latest Purge movie?
4: Yes. It, yes, 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 yes. Uh, El Paso and Juarez have like a little, um, a little cameo, and they did like a fake, like a fake, uh, set of the, of the Plaza Theater.
0: Well, that's the one that shaped like the cowboy hat or the sombrero, right? That uh theater, I think the outside of the Plaza.
4: No, the, the Plaza Theater is downtown. Mm. Got it's it. like colorful, like very vintagey, like.
0: Okay, now I know to look for the new that in the new Purge movie. But the last question for you here, where can we see you next? Because, I mean, think about it. This is a new movie for us. For you, it's an old movie because it's more than a year ago. Yeah. And you are a hustler. So are we allowed to know where we're going to see next?
4: Yes. Um, I, I do have a project I have not even, like, set the name of. It's, like, very much, like, under wraps, Um It will be in Spanish. It's my Mm -hmm. first like fully Mexican project, first thing I do in Spanish. So that'll be um, coming out next year, which I'm so, so excited about, yeah.
0: Do you know if it just has a one-word title or if this time you have two words in the title?
4: One word. (laughs) That's gonna be a thing, that's that's gonna be my, that's gonna be like a thing I'm gonna keep for the rest of my career. Is it one word? If it has
0: two words, Melissa's not doing it.
4: Well,
0: Thank you for your time time and congratulations on Ruthless and looking forward to what's to come from you, whether it's singing or acting related.
4: Yes, thank you so much, Darren. So, so nice to meet you and so great talking.
0: We're starting with the compliments here. You're that great of an artist, hence you having the Moping In Style tribute album. Now, I grew up loving tribute albums because if you did not know an artist's full catalog, And then here's a bunch of awesome artists covering that it's, it's almost like a greatest hits with new energy in a way. So when did moping and style start coming together?
5: Uh, Well, I was on tour with Turner Cody. Who's uh, my friend who's an amazing, amazing, like genius songwriter. And uh, his record label came to me with the idea of doing it Uh, and and Turner as well, you know, and Turner and the record label helped me to coordinate it Uh, ended up actually with me having to ask, a lot of the artists that i knew whether or not they would be on it uh which was actually kind of a cool experience you know it was uh it was actually really cool because i got to kind of uh be in touch with all these different people and uh you know and it was just in a way like they're really honoring me by performing my songs uh you know and it's taking the place as you said of like a kind of like a best of you know i feel like uh, you know, I'm more of like a subcultural artist, so it doesn't really make sense for me to have a Greatest Hits album because it's not that kind of a thing. Deba-
0: debatable. I mean, some people say Greatest Hits, other people say Best Of. The best
5: Of, yeah. So yeah. I feel like, you know, but in, in a way, yeah, s- certainly having like, I guess it's 25 different artists perform my songs. Uh, it, it presents my body of songwriting as like having a sort of a canon or something. It's the first time I feel like it's been presented that way, uh, at least with my solo songs yeah with the 25 or so artists that you have on it was that pared down
0: from say 30 or 40 artists that you're reaching out to or did everybody deliver
5: oh uh well most people i, I asked did say yes but there was a definitely a lot of artists that i had on a long list and i kind of went through with the label and it was kind of interesting like some of the artists that i thought uh i could ask and mostly i was just asking either people that were friends or people that, you know, over the years have told me that, you know, they grew up listening to my music. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, you know, I basically found that um, that uh, some of those people spoke to the label and some of them didn't. I mean, they're a Belgian label, so they have like a Belgian centric idea of like maybe who should be on the compilation. I mean, there could be a different alternative compilation that, you know, would be really cool too. I mean, Um, but, you know, uh, for me, the people that ended up are, some of the best songwriters, uh, you know, that are alive right now. Oh
0: yeah, I have Jenny Lewis, Ben Queller, Lemon Twigs, Father John Misty, Jeffrey Lewis, Kip Malone. It's there's yeah. no filler on this one. What, what no, how no. did that happen?
5: Well, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I think more than anything, you know, as we we're talking about the uh, the compilation is uh, about kind of lifelong friendships that I've had. You right. know, For example, somebody like Kip Malone. I met him when I was 19. I was like out in San Francisco on a road trip and somebody introduced me to Kip on the street who actually I was staying on their floor and they didn't want me on their floor anymore. So they kind of passed me on to Kip and Kip was like, sure, yeah, you can stay on my couch. And so, yeah, so all of a sudden I was on Kip's couch for like a few weeks, uh, you know, and and then he eventually moved to New York City to form a TV on the radio. And then it was like kind of my turn to show him around a bit, you know, the anti-folk scene and different things. Right. So, you know, so. So yeah, maybe like it's in a way this compilation is sort of maybe like making people aware of the fact that you know there's sort of a community of people that know each other in indie rock songwriting and you know this is sort of like a just a group of of old friends really you know um, I, I would say that I mean and also some of the people that are older that I grew up with uh, that I somebody like Ben Lee well, who's not actually actually that much older than me but had a whole music career before yeah. when I was a kid he was like. I probably started recording on a you know at home when when I was like 13, 14. And Ben Lee was an established New Rock star. He had like a record out on Grand Royal Records, which is with a Beastie Boys label. And I really admired him. You know, I wanted to be like him. So, you know, for me to uh, you know, to to have Ben Lee perform my song or something, you know, I wrote a song when I was a kid called I Wish I Was Ben Lee that was a parody of his song called I Wish I Was Him about Evan Nando. Who's also on the compilation, Evan Dando from the Lemonheads? Yes, he is. Um, so it's a little bit meta, but um, yeah, everyone wishes that we were in each other around here, which is you know kind of a nice place to be. Um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and also Lou Barlow, who from Sebado who mm-hmm. is like one of the really main reasons I started to write songs, uh, just because he's such a you know amazing like kind of songwriting lo-fi hero like he's sort of like almost like uh, to me he sort of broke down a certain barrier between the tape recorder that and a sort of sense of intimacy uh that made me um just made me want to uh you know to like try my try to do like my own version of confessions or i i really don't know I, i've been thinking a lot about indie rock uh the meaning of it uh i was showing my wife jonathan richmond uh she's not you know like he to confirm
0: you know, jonathan richmond is not your wife yeah, did No, you no, know
5: no. no. Mom. I'm not married to Jonathan Richmond. Uh, but yeah, my, you know, I was showing yeah. Jonathan Richmond to my wife, uh, who doesn't yeah. you know, really know about the whole history of indie rock. And I did really kind of occur to me that indie rock does have a lot to do with the suburbs in a way, you know, it has yeah. to do and, and I feel like Jonathan Richmond's like definitely somebody who took it there, you know, early, you know, it has this sort yeah. of identity as like a suburban kid growing up and feeling alienated. And I feel like that's certainly what the moldy peaches was about, you know, growing up in a small town and feeling kind of like a freak, and I feel like the modern lovers has that feeling, and I feel like Sebado has that feeling, and and I, and I and I just wanted to give a nod because I think it's really something people don't realize is, you know, how influential Lou Barlow's music has been, uh, that you know that really like uh, influenced the early work of of Elliott Smith. I mean, particularly oh, yeah. Needle in the Hay. Uh, you know, uh, with its downstrokes and, and attitude is very similar to like a Sebado song, like uh, Spoiled or something, you know, and uh, I think people should, you know, understand the, you know, the context that Lou fits into, you know, art is really an yeah. important art. To
0: to piggyback onto that, one of my favorite bands when I was coming of age was the band Superdrag, and the reason that they used the producer of their first major label album was because that guy had worked with Lou and Sebado and he loved yeah. to that. So,
5: yeah, you know, I mean, he was to me at the center of this sort of home recording zeitgeist uh you know he was the central figure uh when i was growing up i mean him and like daniel johnston and also Mm -hmm. john davis who is more obscure but and and shrimper records but there was all these kind of really great home recording people and it's actually something that i'm not really i feel like i've sort of realized over the years you know when you're in it you kind of don't you know everything just is sort of happening to you and you don't have any self-awareness but now i guess maybe in a way being 42 and having this tribute record and thinking about things like in the you know kind of reminiscing about the past I've started realizing that really like when we started a tour with Moldy Peaches like uh specifically like we were going through a network of clubs and a network of connections that mm-hmm. were like formed by really like we were standing on the shoulders of all these great indie rock bands like Sebado or even ones you know um yeah basically just all kinds of bands, that like, like, you know, SST bands, ones that had, like, toured around the world in in vans that had made these indie rock clubs and these promoters and dressing rooms with graffiti and all these, like, the, we were basically, like, there was already this setup system for indie rock bands to tour. And, you know, we didn't even really, I mean, we, we thought about it, but I, I feel like I just sort of was like a kid. I was just sort of like, I'm going to this club. But really, <laughs> the truth is that the whole thing was impossible to do without these guys paving the way for us, you know? Um, I get it. You know, and, and 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 I think that for you know, maybe younger kids, uh, they'll they'll get a record like a home recorded record uh, by anti folk people and think, well, wow, this is my introduction to home recording, this is my introduction to kind of intimate, uh intimate sounding, um, you know, non-produced uh raw songs. But mm-hmm. actually, um we were really late to the game. We we thought we were like doing a retro thing. You know, when we when we were recording our record, I mean, I thought I was like copying Beck and copying Beat Happening and the Vaseline's and, you know, and Sebado and John Davis. I, I, I didn't feel like, you know, I was, I, I thought I was just doing something that, that had been done a million times, you know? And, and I didn't even understand how um it would affect people in the present day. It, it
0: definitely is and has. And it's interesting to see that there was this release, Moping in Style, and then we got the re-release of the Moldy Peaches original demos and unreleased sketches, that kind of a thing. What's coming up from you next? Are we allowed to know that, or do we just have to wait and keep checking Instagram?
5: Well, I mean, I'm probably going to sound like I'm whining, but I I have a little bit of a problem where I make a lot of stuff and um I don't really get to put it out uh, as much as I'd like. Um, so there's all these sort of backlogged things. Uh, I wrote this like kind of book that's sort of a play about perfume. I'm really interested in perfume. I like, collect like perfume, mm. and I wrote a, i wrote a book about the meaning of. Uh, of uh, perfumes and uh, ingredients, and uh, and I want to put that out, um, but I can't figure it out. I, I might just release it myself soon because I'm sick of having it. I've I've finished it for like over a over a year. I get and, it. And then um you know um uh, I have a a, a three song uh, EP mm-hmm. that I'd like to put out that I recorded with my band, and I might put that out. I have a tour coming out in March uh in Europe. I'm doing uh London, Paris, and Berlin, and in New York, I'm doing the Bowery Ballroom with a section so i might in in time for that put out a uh a, a little ep that i've been that I, I you know again has been finished for a while i want to make it out um and i've been writing a screenplay for the wrong ferrari 2 which is uh, a movie that probably no one ever felt like needs to exist for people that don't know i make um feature films like i make uh, yes. I made i made a movie called adam green's aladdin yeah, uh, on the full movies on YouTube, uh, a movie called Medieval 1000 Years of Dark Ages, which is an epic poem movie and a movie called The Wrong Ferrari, which I think recently was taken off of YouTube because it's X rated. But I think it's like on my website, you could watch still. Uh, but yeah, so The Wrong Ferrari, which was a sort of gonzo art film that was written on ketamine back in the uh, early 2000s. Um, I've now just for some reason been inspired to write a sequel to it. Uh, you know, now as a family man, uh, you know, I'm married with two children and and I thought it would be funny to um, follow up on some of the ideas of the film. But, you know, from, from the perspective of being older. Um, so that's that movie's coming out. You know, I'm going to say when I say that movie is coming out, I mean, it's not coming out. I, I don't think I'm going to get funding for it. I haven't gotten funding for the last three screenplays I wrote. So I've made them as graphic novels. One was called War in Paradise, which I published with Pioneer Works. Uh, another one, um, Subcultural Karate Turtles, uh, which, I, you know, again, which I've been drawing with my friends, Toby Goodshank and Tom Bain sure. uh, as co-artists. And then, yeah, so Wrong Ferrari 2, I, I have a feeling, is destined for its life as a graphic novel rather than a film. But if anyone is watching and wants to fund the Wrong Ferrari 2, I would love to make it a giant paper mache masterpiece uh, like Aladdin. But uh, I don't think... Uh, it doesn't seem like it um, happens that way, but, but anyway, so either way I'll put it out in some way.
0: So those are surprising. I think the key to rudely interrupt you here. I think the key is you're always creating whether or not it comes out regardless of the genre. So it seems like the nine to five for you, besides being a family man, that's, you know, a good family man and all that is right. you just create every day.
5: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I went, when I drop my kids off for school, off to school, I kind of like when I turn around, immediately my brain just like enters my own private little secret garden and i just go and like kind of create in that space and write uh until someone snaps me out of it um you know and uh i love that i mean basically i think my central the central mechanism to my creativity is just writing you know i'm writing lots of lines it's almost like a shamanic way where i just write and write i just they're just characters that talk in my head and i just write what they say
6: Outrocast.
0: Sawyer, Caroline, Ray—a pleasure to be speaking with all of you today. So, in unison, how's everybody doing today?
7: Wonderful. We're, okay. Fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're feeling the holiday spirit. We're actually back in Massachusetts in uh, Boston, where we shot the film a year ago. So we're You're doing so kind of, it's kind of like a re- reunion type, uh, well. type gathering. Yeah. Happy holidays <laughs> to you. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. I'll throw the first one at
0: Caroline and go, how much of the script that is what we see on camera? Meaning, did Sawyer disrupt with constant improvisation in a good way?
3: We've been getting that question a lot. Um, I would say there's a fair amount of ad-libbing in the movie. It, it's never, it was never a like, hey guys, just wing it. it definitely a script that they're definitely following. That being said, I never wanted the actors to feel like they couldn't feel loose and, and change things up a little bit. So. There's definitely uh, some, you know, improvising going on. Ray added this thing where her character randomly is eating salt in the middle of scenes, which is a fun little quirk. Um, yeah. You know, I think Sawyer had a good ad lib about an eating a vodka martini. Yep, so they're that's, adding their own
0: That's great to hear that you're open-minded to actors having great ideas. I mean, not every screenwriter is along those lines. They might say, this is the page. You're going to do it Fincher style, but not you. So that's <laughs> wonderful. And Ray, was there a highlight for you in making this film besides working with the wonderful people on this call?
2: Oh, I, it's hard to choose like a favorite moment because all of, there were so many exhilarating moments and I, I you know, it was like the best time of my life. I mean, we were all just never wanting to leave set. Um, working with Sawyer was a highlight because, you know, we've been together for eight years and married for five, and we have two kids together, and we had to act like, you know, he he was like this breath of fresh air in my life, which he actually is, you know, sure. in real life. But he uh yeah, we had to he was at once familiar to me. Guy next door, someone I grew up with, Lucy the character, but also it was very meta because he is very familiar to me in real life, but also fresh and keeps me on my toes and surprises me every day so it was very easy to tap into that that was a highlight for sure
0: meaning great acting is going on character development a script from caroline done well right
2: yes i mean the backbones of the script were so strong the script was just so strong that there was just so much trust in it and the story we were all telling um and Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of uh Faith in that and and i just i i felt very safe knowing that like all of these brilliant ideas coming from the script mm-hmm. i i didn't have to i didn't have to improvise anything i mean we did it ad lib a little bit you know and and <clears> we were free to but the script was so strong that is
4: yeah carried it
0: through. so you're as in a, agreement with everything yeah. that was just said about how you're yeah. great you're surprising her the script is strong etc mm-hmm.
7: <laughs> yeah you know as an actor i try to I, I try to bring whatever the director needs. Uh, um, it, it's re- The director's really the the core creator, the the captain of the ship. I, I'm just there to serve the story. And in this case, you know, Caroline was very open to uh, my own ideas and and I never improv but there was a moment where I was re- working on them. There was a monologue on a car hood scene, uh, which mm. you'll see in the movie. And uh, you, t- you know, originally Caroline had written Elton John as the uh, songwriter that I'm, I'm that Sam's referring to, and I, and I was working on it uh, on the way out on the train out to Boston, and I was like, hey, Caroline, what if, what if we um, a Tom Petty song popped up on my, uh, on my iPhone, and I was like, hey, what, what if we went with Tom Petty instead? It feels more in the rhythm of of Sam, and she said, great go for it and so having that having someone who's uh who's willing to to take our ideas is is a a real treat wow yeah i'm I'm glad to hear
0: that now a unique thing about a film like this is it's going to come back every year if all goes well that people go oh okay it's the holiday season we're going to now watch some movies about what it's really like during the holiday season you know yeah so so it's this thing where maybe you all will be doing press every year around this time about this project so to me it's a new film to all of you it's an old film because you didn't shoot it yesterday or last month so i want to know if we're allowed to know what each of you are working on besides plugging mary good enough Car- caroline first i know uh not not a 1988 was it not a with the prior thing of yours that you did but imdb is never up to date so are we allowed to know what you have coming next
3: oh man i've got a lot of irons in the fire as they say um i I have a rom-com i'm working on some tv ideas um i also love a classic biopic so i have some some old-fashioned 90s style biopics but uh yeah definitely have some some projects going on nothing nothing to fully announce on imdb yet but um hopefully soon
0: that's great to hear. Any any hints as to who a biopic we would be oh, seeing? Oh, you know,
3: it's funny because one of my favorite movies is Aaron Brockovich and mm-hmm. I remember watching that movie, I think I was 14 and I didn't know who she was. So I tend to gravitate towards stories that it's not someone you know and hopefully the movie makes the person uh, more well-known but uh, yeah, just some some cool women from from history, teasing it. <laughs> you never heard of them yet. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, that's the key word, right. Same question at you. Are we allowed to know what's next?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, well, there are, you know, as a working actor, you just you have a lot of, uh you have, you have a lot of coals in the fire. And so I, I have a project that I'm you know producing and getting off the ground myself and then uh, writing. Uh, it's a TV series uh, called Fortune Teller's Daughter um I have a play that Sawyer and I are working on on the 531 that we're going to put up in New York we're really Mm. excited about that um and then yeah just like really exciting auditions and talks with you know there's a a project called blight that um um in conversations with that um but yeah anything Caroline Keene is working on I am I really (laughs) am just like wanting to get in there because she's super talented and it's crazy and yeah Lots of stuff in the works, and it's mm-hmm. all really exciting. And
0: yeah, so what I just heard is film, TV, theatrical. Ray is interested in it all, and it's not just hey, we're waiting for the next holiday movie. You're not pigeonholeable.
2: No, you you gotta you have to self generate. You have to generate your your own stuff. You know, totally. and, it, and and you have to like. I feel like I manifested this film because. I really needed this film in like a cathartic way and emotionally in my life. And it's just been very, uh, really special to work with, a very special project. And it it just like, it found me and I found it and it was just like a magnetic pull. And and I think that's kind of happened with all the actors in this movie. And they just, yeah, super special.
0: Glad to hear that. Now, Sawyer, throwing that same question at you, but then I also have a Tom Petty question after that. So are we allowed to know besides what ray just mentioned where or what
8: who why
0: when how etc
7: yeah i um you know i've worked on a lot of projects in the past that are now coming out so we have yeah, Mary, Merry good enough this christmas and then in the in january i'm in a tv show called uh masters of the air hmm. where i play a, a a pilot commanding officer of a b-17 bomber plane um uh head of a uh uh, a plane named Alice from Dallas with a crew of 10 who will all be featured in uh, in this new TV series that comes out on Apple on January 26th. and I go right into uh, uh, press and marketing that after this one. And then I finished a, uh, a really interesting independent film called Martyr of Gowanus, which uh, yeah. you know it's always been a dream of mine to shoot in New York and I got to shoot uh, upstate New York and Brooklyn and out of Long Island. Oh, and uh, it's it's a it's a story about um, a guy named Gavin who's sort of stuck in his ways with his life and his work. And it takes place pre, during and post uh, the attacks on 9-11. So um, it's 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 um, it's a bit of a coming of age story. And it's how the uh, the attacks affected the average New Yorker yes. um, written and directed by Brian Meir who um, uh, is a huge history uh, fan. Great, great original mind. Um and uh, yeah, anything that you know Caroline's working on next. And, <laughs> and I love this team, so yeah, I'm um, looking forward to that.
2: When you find a good team that you like working mm. with you guys, yeah. stick
7: with them. Mm. Hold on. Yeah. So of course. That's yeah. why
0: I work with myself all the time. Great team. <laughs> but uh, rather than the Tom Petty question, as a Long Islander Sawyer, I'm curious where oh. before I let you go, where did you film any
7: recollection? Yeah, it was, was it by yeah. in Long Beach by any chance? We, we we were in melbourne oh yeah okay shot, 15 shot, minutes shot away yeah not too far from long beach uh yeah. uh, uh in fact uh uh our, our dp the these amazing dps uh, the dwyer brothers uh joey and, and tim uh they uh, uh they surfed long beach i think the day before we started shooting in brooklyn and uh, so they're 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 uh, they're from North Carolina, incredible, um, uh, fantastic uh camera operators and, and and cinematographers. And they they're huge surfers on Long Beach, and so wow, um, uh, they spent small some time world. out there by you, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. small world. And then Malvern yeah. mm-hmm. Tony
0: Danza used to live there and Long Beach, mm-hmm. so you never know who's gonna pop up. Like hey, yeah, well- yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ray, before, before I let you go.
2: <laughs> before we go, I just want to say this this so Mary Good Enough is is such a fresh, awesome take on a on like a holiday classic. And it really genuinely captures like the love, stress, messiness of yes. surrounding family and holidays and all the emotions that the holidays can stir up. And the responses that we've been getting have been that the movie really hits home. So you'll leave with happy tears. And if you want a good belly laugh and cry, this movie is for you. Watch it with your kids. grandma you may have to turn up the volume you know like uh your partner your lover your husband wife whatever watch it home alone Mm -hmm. pre-order it today because Mm -hmm. we have repeat offenders i'm telling you people are coming to the theater you know the screenings we've had they're like this is my fourth time seeing it right so you know it'll it's available december 19th on vod watch it
4: every Hey, Steve Trevino here, and you are watching
0: the
7: Paltrowcast.
6: Outrocast. Dan,
0: okay. Joel, Comfort, a pleasure to be speaking with you all. And in unison, how is everyone doing today? Answering the same questions over and over again for media people.
8: Great, so Darren. Thanks for asking.
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll throw the first one at Dan, because he's had to spend more hours looking at this film than anybody. So, Dan... How much of the original script is what we see on screen?
9: Yeah, I think all of Caroline's original script is there on screen. And then there's a lot of fun extra stuff as well that the that the um,
0: amazing actors gave us. And speaking of amazing actors, here we have Joel and Comfort. Joel, been watching your work for decades now. How did you wind up in this wonderful film?
8: Yeah. Uh... My friend, uh, Marsha DeBonis, uh, who worked on Heels, uh, a, a stars drama I was in, um, said, I'm going to send you this script. They're having trouble with this one part. And uh, I read it and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was different than your basic Hallmark movie. And I made my wife double read it because she's uh, more of an avid reader than I am and make sure that I, I was correct. And, uh, she said, yeah, it's pretty great and, and gave me permission to stay on the road for a couple more weeks. So more than that, uh, to go do this film at, about this time last year in, uh, in the Boston area. Now, you
0: just mentioned Heels. Before I throw it at comfort, Heels, one of my favorite shows of the past few years. That season two ending was intense. And Wild Bill, how many better characters have there ever been on television than Wild Bill?
8: Uh, and just the nicest guy, Chris Bauer. He's so good, he's so talented. And then the Stars Network scraped it from their pro- platform uh, like 10 days, nine days after uh, the season aired. Yeah, like, makes perfect <laughs> sense.
0: Programming people are the smartest people ever. We uh, keep learning that, right? Hopefully it'll find a
8: home somewhere else for season three.
0: Fingers crossed. Now, Comfort, I've left you out for far too long. You <laughs> totally a- okay. Personal highlight in making Mary good enough.
10: Oh my God. Personal highlight. I, every single day. I don't even know how to answer that. I mean, I think the charade scene is so much fun. I'm sure um, you can tell we're all really enjoying ourselves in that moment. But just getting to work and see this vision realized, you know, this script is something I read. Caroline sent it to me like six years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. with Dan. And we both had been telling her for years, this should get made. It's so different. It's so cool. It's unique. It's a different take on Christmas. And we finally were able to do that a year ago, so much because of Dan's amazing efforts. Um, And so just like the fact of being on that set every day was kind of a highlight in its own way. It was a truly surreal experience, actually.
0: So you knew Dan and Caroline before this production?
10: I didn't really know Dan. We both knew Caroline and we both had been whispering in her ear for years, I think, saying, this is so good. Your script is so good. Let's get this made. And then Dan actually kind of, you know, put his money where his mouth was and got it, got it, the ball rolling about a year ago, uh, maybe, maybe like 18 months ago. And wow. now here we are talking about the finished product. and It's wild.
0: Dan, is all of this true or is anyone <laughs> Can you
9: confirm? <laughs> I mean, uh, we, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, Comfort and I both, have wanted to make this movie for for several years. Uh, Last year, we said, Well, what if we just kind of start asking every person we trust uh, to help us um, and ask people they trust to help us? And that's how the film got made. Hmm. And do you remember
0: how many days the shoot itself was? Uh, We shot over the course of uh, uh, three or four weeks. Got it. And now, Joel, you mentioned getting the permission slip signed by your wife to be able to extend your road trip. Were you on set for all those weeks, or did you pull the the Nick Cage style? You got me for three days.
8: That's all yeah. you got. Uh yeah I I was Nick Cage all the time on the set. Um I came a little bit late in the fact that Marcia debonis who got me to be in the movie when I got there had already finished shooting. So I, I didn't know anybody but uh I got there a little bit late to the party, but I, I tried to make up for it, and, uh, you know, we we bonded uh, over things like the Women's World Cup at bars and stuff like that in our, in our off time, and, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't fully Nick Cage. I've never committed that much to anything.
0: I recently uh, had the pleasure of interviewing Wes Cage, Nick's son, great musician in his own right, so. The lineage continues of awesomeness in the cage clan. So let that be on the record right there. But, uh, comfort going over your credits here. I like that you can do drama, but you can also do comedy. You straddle between the two genres. Like sometimes you're the one comedic person in the dramatic production. When you mm-hmm. start out, did you have a preference as to which direction you were going?
10: Uh, for this film in particular, um,
0: well know. no in general with your career oh, I with concerned. my
10: career sorry yeah. <laughs> this one is a dramedy it's both
0: yeah
10: um, for my career i love that i get to do both i think i originally came in to you know this industry thinking i would be more in the comedic lane but i've been lucky enough to get a lot of roles that were a little more dramatic and instead i sort of look to bring a little comedy to those dramatic roles which is also what i tried to do here i think Right. So I'm looking, I think, now to lean more into comedy in the future, but I'm open to open to it all. And I love that I get to do both and got to do both for this film. And I think that's part of why I'm involved was a, another film I did a few years ago that had another dramedy style to it. And Caroline, that's where I met Caroline, the writer, and she came up to me after watching me film that scene. And she was like, this is exactly the tone of this Christmas movie I have. And it's hard to do a true dramedy where it's you know the words are dramatic but you're kind of like putting a little comedy into them and she was like you have nailed this tone and i have a character for you let me send you this script and that's are you not- allowed
0: to say which role as i rudely interrupt you which role Ro- that was that caroline saw you in
10: yeah it's a film called paint that she worked on she was in set design and i was an actor in it. it was about four years i don't know five years ago probably at this point um, and I played a character who was really very much straddled the line of dramatic and comedic at the same time. And that's, you know, I guess that's maybe that's my genre. I don't
0: know. <laughs> well, that's the old adage of good work leading to more work. In yeah. your case, Joel, uh, did this role lead to other roles? I'm assuming the answer is no, because who doesn't want to hire Joel Murray at this point?
8: Oh, there's a long line of people. Um, I, I, don't think enough people have seen this yet for it to have led to other work, but on yeah. December 19th, I'll be flying back from Madrid, but the rest of the people can be out there, you know, ordering this up uh, so they can show it at their own home over the holidays. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is gonna lead to more work. And uh, I said to my wife, you know, we we started with uh, Ray uh, uh, and Sawyer, you know, you're kind of guaranteed that uh, Spielberg might see this film <laughs> as far as your work goes. Right. Uh, so that's, that's a weird thing. I don't think I've ever thought about before while I was doing a movie. Like yeah, there's a chance he, he might actually watch this. So who knows? Maybe it'll lead to more work. Uh, uh, you know, work leads to work. And, yeah. Uh, I, I keep plugging away.
0: Well, the, uh, Last question, which is going to be modified for everyone, because I want everyone to give me their two cents and their self-promotion. Uh, Den, are we allowed to know where we're going to see you next or what you're working on next, or do we just have to wait for the Hollywood reporter embargo to be lifted or the Instagram post of you doing hashtag blessed or something like that? <laughs> hashtag
9: blessed. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a handful of projects I'm, I'm trying to get off the ground and I, um, Right now, I'm kind of living in commercial land and headed into the holidays to uh, spend some time with my family.
0: So, in other words, with commercial land, we're seeing your work. We just don't know it's Dan Kennedy's work. Yeah. There you go. So, so a hardworking gentleman right there. Comfort, are we allowed <laughs> to know where we're going to see you next?
10: Um, Nothing specific coming up other than Mary Good Enough on December 19th. But hopefully working again with this incredible, talented group of people. It's been, you know, the strike was going on. So it's a little bit of a lull at the moment, but everything's picking up with auditions and hopefully uh, be back
0: at it soon. Cool. And modified last question for Joel, because the Murrays have fantastic taste in music and sports. So what was the last concert and or sporting event that you were at?
8: Oh, wow. Um. Well, the last concert, she uh, would have been at uh, the Canal Shores in uh, Evanston, Illinois. And uh, we saw, is it Lucinda Williams? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but that's not right. Um, I'm thinking we saw Lucius. Oh, and uh, they opened up for Dawes. That was it. Lucius opened up for Dawes. That was the last concert I saw, and the last sporting event I would—I'm uh, guessing was the Chicago Cubs uh, during baseball season.
0: So, that's on brand. Yeah. I, I was going to say it was either going to be a major PGA tournament or a Cubs game.
8: Well, I did see the uh, one day of the U.S. Open at the L.A. Country Club, so that would—that'd be about the same time.
0: But uh, the fact that you saw Dawes, Taylor, Goldsmith, and and lucius so, those they, are they sisters or twins i think they're just friends
8: i don't think they're related they're I just cosplaying
0: they're, as each other okay got it they must,
8: well, they must, uh, everything they sing yeah amazing the key is
0: you've got the fine taste i thought you did so thank you all for your time congratulations on this new what I think is going to be a perennial favorite that this time of year you have to do press because it's so popular and you have to do more junkets about it, answering the same questions. So uh, sorry in advance about that, but thank you all.
5: Thank you. you. Hi, I'm David Coverdale from Whitesnake. You're listening to
0: the Gwyneth Paltrow cast featuring Darren, the sexy beast from wherever the hell he is. Well, how's your day going aside from having to do media and all that?
6: Um, It's actually going great because I um, hooked up with a a friend, a new friend who runs an art gallery in Chelsea. She runs a photography gallery. And she was giving me um, some advice on... Uh, some ideas that I had about where to go next with uh, with my paintings, and um, and she really just was very encouraging to me. So that that's really totally made my day. <laughs> and then that, that, and then also I love Christmas shopping because I love Christmas. So I did a little bit of that too.
0: Mm, sounds like a win-win. Now we were connected not because she put out a new album this year, which we'll plug in a little bit, but uh-huh. because you have the city winery gallery showing. Mm-hmm. Runs through the end of the year, correct? Anyone can visit during daytime
6: hours? That's right, through the end of the year. And I think even into the end of January, they said that it'll it'll be able to stay up that long.
0: Got it. So every now and then, it's not surprising to find out that a great singer, and yes, I called you a great singer, is also an accomplished painter. You know, Tony Bennett was one of the first ones I realized where he might be a better painter than a singer.
6: Oh, my goodness. Now, <laughs> and that's saying for- something.
0: Do you go back as a painter? When did this all start?
6: I mean, it's all fairly recent. I, you know, I dabbled in it a little bit when I was younger, but um, it really was the pandemic that um, allowed me the opportunity, I think, and also sort of pushed me towards it because I was, you know, there's something... That's very rewarding about singing for people, and there's this emotional, True. you know, it, it feeds your emotions and and it feeds your soul in a way. And not being able to do that at all, um, you know, I sort of felt bereft and I was kind of casting around for something to do um, that would be creative and that I could you know still do uh, despite the pandemic. And you know, I had always had it in the back of my mind. I mean, I love. Uh, painting. I love abstract work in particular. You know, I'm a huge fan of people like Robert Motherwell, um, you know, people like Lee Krasner, the early Georgia O'Keeffe abstractions. You know, I've always loved that stuff. Um, So I thought, well, maybe now is the moment that I can try doing whatever I can do in this way. And so that was really the beginning of it.
0: The same galleries had exhibitions by Amy Mann, Graham Nash, other, great again i called you the great you didn't call yourself that uh, <laughs> did that play any role in you going hey city winery is the place for me to ex- exhibit my work
6: well in fact i didn't even know that they had a gallery space i just i had been making some prints of my artwork to give to family and friends as mm. gifts and i gave one to uh to michael dorf who uh, runs the city winery and he said hey this is really cool would you you know, do you have more of these? Would you like to do a show in our gallery space? And then they, you know, gave me a tour of it. And at at, at that moment, I think the Graham Nash show of his photographs was was hanging. And, you know, I I honestly had no idea. So I didn't approach them. They just approached me. And at that point, I was, you know, I wasn't really even thinking so much about exhibiting the stuff. But that really pushed me to make more work and to get myself ready um to do that
0: Hmm. now michael dorf of course is synonymous with city winery but those of us of a certain age remember the knitting factory yes we know about the annual benefit show at the carnegie hall uh, Mm -hmm. main auditorium little kids rock is one of those things he's on the board of how far do you go back with michael
6: um, I first met him when the Knitting Factory was still open, and I had played a couple of shows there. And, you know, we, we sort of met each other just in that uh, forum. But then when he opened the City Winery, he contacted me about being the, the first artist to play the first night, um, to play the, play the opening night. And, of course, I was excited and honored to do that. And then years later when they closed that particular venue um, mm-hmm. and moved to the new home we also played myself and my band played the closing night ceremony and then we also played the opening night of the brand new space so I, I guess I'm some sort of talisman of good luck for Michael Dorf for something um, he, he always he seems to come back to me again and again and ask me to do these very sort of prestigious uh, you know nights at, at the the place and and has always been a a real supporter of my music and, and, and also a friend too. He's also a real mensch. So it's, it's sure. been a, a long association.
4: Cast. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav, and I don't disappear fast. Because right now, you are watching the Paltrow cast. Outro cast.